good to come forward and talk to you. Hopefully something that each and every one of us has done throughout the week, and maybe not this, uh, this time, but talk to someone about the Word of God. We're talking with you this morning, most of my texts are going to be coming out of the book of Exodus and 1 Samuel, starting in of Exodus. But the question that was kind of asked, I kind of think it now, is who was the first person to ask the question, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, asked Moses this question when he was told to let God's people go. We see in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, we said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Exodus 5, 2. Now Pharaoh really, really was ignorant of who God was when he asked this question. And he made this defiant statement. We see here in, in this part now that God proceeded and gave him We'll say a 10 lesson correspondent course in who God really is. The 10 plagues sent on Egypt told and showed Pharaoh exactly who God is. What's it going to take for God to be able to show us exactly who he is? We know what God's word tells us to do. We know what it tells us not to do. We're going to obey his word or we're going to ask this question, who does he think he can tell me what to do? We see that because of the continued hardness of, of Pharaoh's disobedient heart, it cost him his life and the lives of many of the Egyptians. Now one may ask, but why did this happen to Pharaoh since the Bible tells us that God hardened his heart. Before we realized, we kind of studied a little bit in the first hour that God's word must be rightly divided with spiritually discerned before biblical understanding is possible. Every time God was sent a plague, Pharaoh said he would let the people go. And each time the plague was removed, he refused to let the people go. Only the Egyptian, not, not, not all the Egyptians were hardened. Pharaoh's servants saw the handwriting on the wall. Exodus 10 and 7, they said, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? And when we read and understand the entire account here of the children of Israel and their exodus from, from Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was hardened as a result of the plague that God sent. So we can ask the question now, so what is the lesson that we can learn from this? The activity of God in our lives to fulfill his plan and his purpose produces one or two responses in us. That activity is either going to harden us or it's going to soften us. Everybody knows I, I kind of like to simplify things. 
So simplify it, and I'm going to illustrate it in this way. God made the sun. God made clay, and he made butter. Now when the sun shines down on butter, what's it do? It softens it. But when it shines, that same sun shines down on clay, it hardens it. We could ask here, well, what's your point? The point is the sun shining on two different objects produces two different results. Our hearts can be compared in much the same way. When we hear God's commands, is our heart softened and humble obedience to God? Or is it hardened and defiant rebellion? Do we willfully and lovingly go out and share God's word with others? Talk to them about this wonderful Savior who come down and went through all this torture and gave his life on the cross that each and every one of us can have forgiveness of our sins. Are we really thankful for it that that was given to us? Do we talk to them about God's mercy? Because, uh, you know, talk to some people about coming to church, they say, you know, I've been such a bad person the roof would fall in, or I've been such a bad person there's just no hope for me. Can you think of anybody that is worse than someone going out killing people just because they were worshiping God? That's a pretty bad person, ain't it? God thought that was a wonderful messenger for him when I'm talking about Paul. And we discussed the first hour that as a human, I would have never went to Paul and asked him a question about God. But yet, once God revealed himself, once God showed him and proved to him who he was, Paul was the best speaker, the best messenger for God. He humbled his heart. He softened his heart with humble obedience. And then there's throughout the Bible's characters and all that hardened their heart and defiance and rebellion. Now when we're studying on Wednesday night, when Hannah took her son Samuel to the temple to be trained and taught by Eli, Samuel did not know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him, 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 8. I'm going to turn over right quick to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 8. When it said in the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And the air of the lamp of God went out into the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. <clears throat> that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and laid down. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the, know the Lord. Neither was the way of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And verse 8 says, And the Lord called unto Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli proceeded that the Lord had called the child. And Eli had, had to tell him the next time he heard that voice call uh, to him, 
to say in verse 9, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in peace. Samuel obeyed Eli. And the very first command he received from God was almost incomprehensible. It was so difficult to comprehend that he did not even want to tell Eli what God had told him. God had told uh, Samuel that he had spoken concerning Eli's house from the beginning to the end. Now we see here in 1 Samuel in chapter 3, but a few verses down, picking up in, uh, verses 12 and 14. 1 Samuel 3, 12 and 14. <clears throat> Excuse me, said, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. Where I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restraineth them not. Verse 14 goes and says, And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with, sac with sacrifice nor offering forever. Now this is without a doubt one of the worst judgments God ever passed on some of his own people. Eli sent Samuel's reluctant to reveal what God has said. And he said in, verse, in 1 Samuel 3 and 17, And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Now there are virtually thousands of lessons that we can learn from Eli's response after hearing everything God told Samuel. Eli said in 1 Samuel 3 and 18, It is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Is that something that we could say about our children if we were told the same thing? Or will we try and convince God to change his mind? It says right here, and the same thing that we need to live our lives by is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. We don't need to change God's mind. When we read a verse in the Bible and it tells us to not do something we want to do or tells us to do something we don't want to do, we can't be like Jonah and say, I'm not going to do that and go and hide from God because you can't hide from God. We cannot just lay around and tell God, I don't like that verse there. Let's see about changing it or I'm going to change it for it. We have to take it. He's our creator. It's his way. Now that's truly obedient listening and acceptance to the voice of our almighty God. God's word is replete with the accounts of the Pharaoh's response and the Eli response to hearing and obeying his voice. God gave Pharaoh every opportunity to obey his voice because he is God. We know from our studying on this lesson here how God sent Moses to talk to Pharaoh and tell him to release 
the people. We know that, as I said earlier, Pharaoh's heart was hard. It took ten, the plagues and everything to finally, it took all the way down to the death of the firstborn. That's a serious activity just to get his attention to do what is right for God. And then we see in, in Eli and Samuel, God had to basically cut him off. He had to rule a harsh judgment against him to get the attention. How many times have we seen something in our families? Our children might not be doing something right. Did we correct them for it? Or, we just, or did we just tell them don't do it again? Every morning, I always tell Jensen, talk to him, I tell him, I say, now be a good boy. Marsha had to point out to me sometime, when you tell him how to be a good boy. It's the same thing with God's word. When we go out and talk to someone and convert them in as a, as a Christian, as a child of God, we can't tell them, hey, don't be a sinner. First off, we need to let them know what sin is. We need to let them know what temptation is. Because that's what's going to lead to sin. We need to let them know that we have an almighty, loving, heavenly Father that is so merciful that if we would do our best to follow his word and obey him, he's there for us. We need to also let them know that if we decide to do things our way, what's going to happen? When we find ourselves faced in some trials and tribulations, some stumbling block, what's the first thing we do? Do we sit and worry about it? Or do we take it to God in prayer? Many times we take something to God in prayer and then jump right back up good worrying about it. We need to pray and leave all of our burdens in God's care. Now I'm not saying pray, turn it over to God and go on and forget about it and go fishing. Because that problem's still going to be there if we don't. But God will help us through it. When we pray and, and, and we have to be careful what we pray for. Pray and ask God, well make me a stronger Christian person. Just make me a stronger person. I want to be the best Christian around. And then expect to have a life of ease. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. But when we get through that, whatever, however way we handle that, is what's going to make us a strong person or a weak person. Did we bow into it and give up? That makes us a weak person. Did we keep our faith and our hearts and our mind or attention focused upon God? and made it through it, that will make us a strong person. How do we help others that are in difficulty? We just look out and say, I'm glad that's not me, and go on. Or do we like, do like the good Samaritan, stop and offer a hand? That will make us a better person. So as I said, God's word is full of the accounts of the Pharaoh response and the Eli response to hearing and obeying his voice. It should make us shiver and just tremble to think when we ask a question again, what's it going to take for God to get my full attention? We can say, well, I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday nights. I'll read the Bible when somebody asks me a question about it. Is that giving God our full attention? <clears throat> God gave Pharaoh every opportunity to obey his voice 
because he is God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slightness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should have, shall come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and 9. They didn't say that all would come to repentance because we got that human factor in there. We got to do our part. God's already done his part. We got to do our part now. And we're told that the ones going to heaven will be small, will be few. The ones that be cast into outer darkness, the gates are wide. And that's because that human factor wanting it done my way because it's easier. It's more fun my way. But it is say something that's worth having if we're working for it. You see, a church that is alive is worth to drive. And the one I like is it might be tight, but it's right. We need to obey by God's word. And I agree with you. At times, it's going to be kind of hard for us to do it. I mean, we went out with all of our our friends and everybody, and they want to go and do something that we know is sinful, and we'd say, oh, no, no, I can't do that because God tells me not to do it. I'm sure they're going to look at you in a funny way, or they might even say a few remarks about you and go on. But when it comes judgment day, you're going to be glad you stuck with God's word. Long-suffering is the ability to keep a forgiving, hopeful attitude towards people to avoid retaliating a wrong. That is who God is. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7 tells us. I got it written here, but I want to read it straight out of, of God's word. Exodus 34. Yeah. Verses 6 and 7. And it says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy from thousands, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, upon the third and to the fourth generation. In closing, I just want to say that when it comes to hearing and obeying the voice of God, in which category do we place ourselves? I ask it that way because we're in that category because we put ourselves there. We all have the ability to read and understand God's Word. There is no traps, tricks, or anything in God's Word. He tells us plainly what we need to do, what He requires of us, and what He requires us not to do. On one occasion, a woman was tempted to give praise to Jesus for Mary's mother. But Jesus said, Luke, 8 and 20, uh, Luke 11 and 28, 
More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And say here the word of God and think about it or try to keep it, but keep it. He's not telling us here that we have to be perfect. But by keeping it, we have to do the best of our ability to do it. And that is the sharp and critical test of our obedience to God. Doing what he says the way he says to do it. Psalm 14 and 2. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. We know from uh, our lesson last Lord's Day that the Lord looks down. He knows who's good. People say, well, we tell our kids and all, Santa Claus is watching. He knows who's good and he knows who's bad. I'm telling you that our Heavenly Father is looking down upon you. He knows who's good, who's bad, who's naughty and nice. And when it comes to Judgment Day, we're going to be rewarded for whatever. I know as parents and grandparents, even though our children mess up and they're bad at times, we still give them the nicest thing that we can for birthdays and Christmas or and gifts and all. God's going to be loving and merciful, but he's going to give us just what we receive. Our attitude towards that divine precept and expectation will make us or break us for all eternity. Only you and God knows your relationship. He knows the standards. So as we stop and think about it, if you need to be baptized, maybe you've already been baptized, but if you've stepped out of God's way, you need the prayers and the encouragement to the congregation. I should come forward at this time.